Welcome to Making Account, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life. I'm Christina. And I'm Randy. And we're not financial experts. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) No, we're just like you, aka doing our best to reach financial success and trying not to stumble along the way. And we're making it happen thanks to all the help from our Money Smart friends. That's right. So stay tuned for fun guest interviews, listener-submitted Q&As, and plenty of our own money experiences. The more embarrassing, the better, right? You say embarrassing, I say educationally entertaining. Whether you're working to make the most of your paycheck or ready to up your investment game, we've been there and done that. And we still have more to learn. So together, let's make make it count. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Making It Count. Welcome back both to the pod and to our fan favorite mini series, Money Taboos. Ooh, and this week's topic is a good one because we're going to be covering everything you need to know to file your taxes without a fear. Randy, you don't understand how many of my friends have begged me to do a tax episode. So I'm so excited to do this one. And especially since we're debunking and demystifying everything about taxes, which is a great time, right? It's tax season. Yes, so it is. Is Now is the time to do it. So I don't know if you knew, but tax brackets are actually shifting higher by 7% this year because the IRS essentially just said because of times of higher inflation to avoid taxpayers into higher tax brackets because of their purchasing power essentially has gone on change because everything's so expensive. So that's really interesting. That is very true because I tried to buy eggs yesterday. Oh my gosh, don't even start with that. We're going to have a whole episode on inflation (laughs) and we're going to start with eggs. Yes, we should start with eggs. Anyway, I am very excited to be here because I am very nervous about filing my taxes, especially with having just gotten married. never thought I'd say this, but honestly, shout out to the IRS because that actually rocks. Yeah. Really cool that we're going to be able to do that. Look at the IRS. Okay. So right now, how do you file your taxes, Randy? Are you a DIYer? Are you a CPA kind of guy? Do you do TurboTax? You're in a whole new world now because you just got it's married so last true. year. so true. I know. Whole so you, new world. Yeah. <laughs> now Disney's going to come after us. That's Great. 10 cents right uh, there. Darn. Okay. So you really have to make some decisions now with Emily. So what's your tax du jour? Tax du jour, a la carte, you you know. (laughs) Well, with my taxes, Emily and I luckily both use TurboTax. So we've come to the conclusion that we're just going to file together, hopefully. We're going to do a little bit of the math and click around on some buttons and and try to figure it out on our own. I'm curious to see what our tax professionals are going to say about your decision of doing that. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, I am a little bit later in life than you. I am. Hardly. (laughs) Oh, you're so kind. Married and with two kids. So I have dependents. I own a home. So I have that. So mine's a little bit. Oh, yeah. Thanks. So I have a couple more things that go into filing my taxes. We have done the CPA route before, but usually I'm with you. We are a TurboTax or H&R Block kind of family where we download it and we just do it. It's still simple, but if I owned a small business or any of that that would complicate things, I would definitely go the CPA route. So that's how we kind of think about how we make that tax decision. Interesting. You know, I think that's a really good segue to be able to introduce our guests today. We have two on this episode, and they're going to be going head to head to tell us whether or not we should be filing our taxes in person or online. I think producer Lauren really wants like a Dukem Royal Rumble fight it out. 
Yeah. But I mean, you can get a giant bell on Amazon <laughs> for like 30 bucks. That's true. That's true. Ding! <laughs> our first guest is Andrew Griffith. Andrew, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me to experience. I am the proprietor of a virtual public accounting firm, creatively named Andrew Griffith CPA. I'm also a tenured associate professor of accounting in the Lapenta School of Business at Iona University up north in a place called New York. My accounting professional credentials include a certified public accountant, which is a state-issued license, and the enrolled agent, which is issued by the Internal Revenue Service. I have been serving clients across the United States since 2004. 2004. Wow. So you definitely know your stuff then, Andrew. Welcome. So now let's go ahead and meet our other guest for today, Ricky Lavinia. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a CPA by trade. I started my professional career at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And about seven years ago, I left public accounting to start a tech startup called TaxFile which is essentially like Uber for your taxes. Love <laughs> so it. We have about 5,000 IRS enrolled agents and CPAs that will file your tax returns on demand. That's amazing. That Uber, is great. Uber, Uber for, for taxes. taxes. I like that. I hope you don't have to copyright that or tra- like, you know. I mean, we like, owe Disney 10 cents. That's true. So we can just owe <laughs> we Uber 10 cents. might as well owe Uber some cash too. <laughs> Well, thanks for being on the pod, Ricky and Andrew. So let's start with the basics to help our listeners and us, because I still don't, I don't know. I I put numbers in a a thingy and like it tells me if I owe money or not. I may as well close my eyes and just (laughs) click blindly. (laughs) Me too. So I like cross fingers, toes, everything that that that, that number stays green. Because as soon as it hit, oh, every time you push a button and the numbers change, it's so scary. It's a very scary (laughs) game that we play. So hopefully you'll help us learn a lot more about our taxes. So Randy, you get to go first. Okay. So Andrew, can you please walk us through these different tax brackets and what actually determines which tax bracket you end up in? Okay, thank you. Your tax bracket depends on two things, primarily your filing status and your income. And I like to break income down between the non-taxable, the taxable, and what I call the quasi-taxable, such as your Social Security benefits. The filing status is we have to select from currently, or single, head of household, married, filing jointly, married, filing separately, and qualifying widower. To determine your filing status, we typically go to whatever your status is on the last day of the calendar year. But again, that's a typical statement. There's not, it's not always true 100% of the time. Once you've determined your filing status, you determine your tax rate by looking at your taxable income range, which you fall under, and looking at the tax bracket specifically. You have a CPA or an enrolled agent, they can certainly help you determine your filing status first by asking appropriate questions. And they will also be able to determine the precise tax bracket that you fall under while preparing or reviewing your tax returns. Interesting. So I'm currently trying to figure out whether or not I should be filing jointly with my wife, filing separately with, I guess, my wife doing her own thing. Can you maybe help me figure out? (laughs) He wants some free tax advice, Andrew. (laughs) You can bill my job. You can bill Christina. What do you think about that, Andrew? Why are those two things separated? Married filing jointly and married filing separately? Well, for a married couple, if their income is roughly equal then there's really no tax advantage by filing jointly or separately. But 
that again is function of the income level. There's some tax credits that are actually denied if you're filing separately. Itemize, of course, you have an issue where one spouse itemizes, other spouse has to itemize. It's a little nuances in there, but the general statement is still true. If your income's roughly equal, it will work out to be roughly the same. But for married couples that file jointly, one of the risks is that the spouse, a spouse, one of them, has some hidden tax issues that the other spouse doesn't know about. And it can come up with a situation where a couple that filed jointly, the spouse without the issue can become liable for that tax returns, tax issues that may arise later. Say they forgot some income, that other spouse can be subject to that. Oh, Yikes, geez. that is a converse. I can't imagine. Andrew, are you were in the room when they found that out. I'm so curious. <laughs> well, <laughs> story know, time. I did have that one caller who just gotten married like three weeks before. He called me and he got hit with a bunch of IRS stuff that he was trying to hide from his spouse. Oh, no. I can only imagine what that conversation was like. <laughs> Probably not very good. No, I, I don't even know if I want to be a fly on the wall of that conversation. I would not even have known to ask Emily. It's too late. We're already married. We, I can't. But you go haven't back. filed your taxes yet, so you could file separately. So it's not too late. Oh, geez, Andrew, we're gonna have a conversation <laughs> after this. <laughs> oh no! Part of what we do as tax professionals is that you know we listen to confessions sometimes. Oh, geez. I know. I was gonna say, I think both of you are CPAs slash FBI investigators and therapists. I feel like you have to be a lot of you wear different a lot of different hats as a CPA. So many hats. All right, so let's move on to some happy stuff deductions and credits, which will help you at the end, hopefully stay in the green. So Ricky, walk us through what these two are all about. Yeah, not a problem. So everyone likes these because it reduces your tax liability, right? It reduces the amount that you end up paying the government, right? Little do people know that if you're a W-2 employee, right, you're paying the government throughout the year and therefore they give you your money back. So we all end up paying the government. It's not like they're giving you money on the goodness of your heart, right? But as you mentioned, let's say you're fine, do yourself on TurboTax, right? These are the things that makes that number either red or green. Red meaning that you have to end up paying the IRS or green whether you get some money back, right? So there's two main categories, deductions and credits, okay? When it comes to deductions, which is the stuff that we usually hear throughout the year, like well, I can deduct my kids, childcare, right? So on and so forth. There's two subcategories there. One is the standard deduction, which is the amount that everyone on your on your 1040 that you file with, right? If you're married, finally joined, it'll be you and your spouse and any of your kids. We each come with essentially a, a dollar figure. And that dollar figure, when you add up all the people in your household, right, will give you your, your total standard deduction, okay? And then this number is compared against your itemized deductions, right? So let's say you... You're the second coming to Gandhi <laughs> and uh, you donated everything, right? You, you donated all your, your cars, your, your homes, your yachts. You've done the right? Marie Kondo thing and you've decided to <laughs> say thank you and then you let it go. <laughs> Does this item bring you joy? Yes. <laughs> you know what brings me joy? Deductions. Deductions, yes. Exactly. So let's say you, you donate everything, right? Those are obviously considered charitable contributions and they each have a value behind it. And, and when you add them all up, if they're more than your standard deduction and the total standard deduction for your household, then you're you're going to be a itemized filer, 
right? And those atomized deductions will then be reduced by your tax liability, okay? And then you'll get a refund, okay? The other main category is going to be the tax credits. And these are things that you'll get regardless of which deduction path you take, okay? So some common credits are the child tax credit, the adoption credit, and, and the lifetime learning credit, okay? Can I just say that I'm a student of life and get a lifetime learning <laughs> credit? Does that work? No? no I well, think I think it. we're going to get into audits later, so <laughs> you have to be able to support it. Anything oh, you no. confess on that tax return, you have to be ready to support. Darn it. So. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. not. <laughs> I actually. There's probably a lot of people thinking <laughs> that they are lifetime <laughs> students because they're just getting degree after degree. So, but unfortunately, no, no, that's uh, darn it. That's a, that's a separate, it's completely separate. Darn category. it, Man. I actually have. See, our our accounting friends are gonna appreciate this. My dad. So I was born on December 31st. And the doctor wanted... No, was, you weren't. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. See, I knew my accounting friends would like this. That's my birthday. Hey! Okay, birthday so I want to know so there we go. if Look your family had a similar conversation. So I was born on December 31st, Capricorn's rule, and my mom was given the opportunity to wait for me to be born January 1 of the, the next year so I could be the first baby born in Puerto Rico in that year. My dad said, heck no, I want the tax credit for that year. <laughs> he wanted to get the full tax yeah. credit for me no. being born on December 31st. <laughs> yeah, because essentially a few hours later, you only get half of the tax credit. Obviously, what we mean is when it comes to the filing season, right, January through April, since you were born in the previous year, your parents, even though you weren't born, right, or weren't there for, you know, 364 days, right, will get the full standard deduction for you and then as well as the following year this is the best loophole i've ever heard <laughs> i'm and writing like, this down have like, a baby a, by december first of all that's so Got cool it. that i found another december 31st baby like so stoked about that but now if, if any of you listeners have listened to a lot of our episodes i'm the frugal one of the group so you can see that i definitely lean towards my dad because that is just so like he just wanted the tax credit for that year. It makes me so happy. I thought you guys would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So let's talk about this debate that our listeners are waiting for. We want to hear from both of you guys. What is the best way to file your taxes? So, Andrew, if you want to go first, how would you recommend to your clients to file their taxes? I'm a big fan of the e-filing process largely because it minimizes risk of data entry errors into the tax authority system. And then we get feedback usually within a few hours, from, specifically from the IRS, of e-filing our tax return. It's important to know for those who have to file state and local income taxes, it sometimes takes several days for that to happen. As far as regarding the topic of self-filing or work with a tax professional, self-filing comes underneath like the TurboTax umbrella. Returns with low income levels, W-2s, 1099 for interest, so the 1099-INT or retirement income or Social Security benefits. A lot of people don't know it, but they can get that e-filed and prepared for free through a volunteer income tax assistance site, what we call VitaSite, where they use the online free filing services that are promoted by the IRS. But that typically, your income level cannot exceed 60000 and if you exceed that $60,000 income level, they're supposed to turn you away and you got to go to the paid sites or you got to go to a paid preparer. If your income's complex, like you got cryptocurrency transactions, brokerage accounts, self-employment, rental income, 
multi-state returns, typically you need to go find a tax professional to help you with that. For those who are looking at tax professionals, I highly recommend that they choose somebody who's highly qualified, who's a CPA, a certified public accountant or an enrolled agent. About 60% of the tax professionals out there don't have any licenses or qualifications or formal training to substantiate their experience with this. Whoa, 60%. So wow, that's surprising. Yeah. yeah it's based upon the IRS recognized number of tax professionals out there, the database it released back in September this past year. Interesting. I didn't even know what CPA stood for until you just said that. That probably should have been the first question I asked yeah, you probably. Guys. Yeah. Oh, man. So what about you? What do you think, Ricky? Well, I have to agree here with Andrew that you definitely should e-file, right? I think that the paper filing days are well behind us. And at this point, they just had a, a nuisance to the process and delay your refund if you have any owed to you, right? Overall, though, what we're seeing in the market is that over the past few years, you've, you've had a lot of people pick up side business, okay, side hustles, right, gig economy. I run a gig economy company, TaxFile. <laughs> we have 5,000 CPAs. It's, it's, like in, it's like Inception. We're talking about the gig economy while we're a gig economy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's I mean, so did, meta. Did the top the stop spinning? Said. Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows what <laughs> Leo was doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, we could go on for days on that one. I love that movie. But, I mean, the but, top went on for days too. So, <laughs> I, sorry, I saw, we're getting we're getting sidetracked. I, I, I've actually frozen that scene in Inception a few times, frame by frame, and I and I saw I saw wobble there. I saw that top. It speed did. Speed He's so Ricky already. is right on it. It definitely wobbled. He's right. I've never. There's a little wobble. You, there Christina little wobble. has never seen this movie. It's too long. By the time the kids are asleep, <laughs> and then you put it on at nine nine thirty, I'm falling asleep. Friends, I'm sorry. You can't keep my attention. It's this a is long not okay. movie. Two and a half hours is a long time. I'm good for an hour. I don't know about that. <laughs> Ricky's well, on to something it. here. Maybe maybe you could do a matinee on the weekend. But okay. A matinee maybe on the weekend. The there you go. Yeah. 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 The past few years, we've seen a lot of people pick up side work, right? And different than a W-2, side work is usually accumulated with 1099s. And 1099s, unlike W-2s, right, don't have any withholdings. So what that means is you're not paying the government throughout the year on the income you're earning. You should be, but it's up to you to do that quarterly, right? And, and most people forget about this and they get penalized. So if you are new to the gig economy or to side business or you started your own, right? We highly recommend that you get some professional help with a CPA or IRS enrolled agent or simply someone that's done it for a long time because they'll help you kind of sort out all those expenses that, that went into fulfilling the business that you got into, right? And hopefully it, it will end up benefiting you, right? Because all that income gets reported on the other end and you want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row and that you pay the IRS a proper Yeah, you can say that again. We're going to have to call Valerie and remind her about yeah, all this. Yeah, we just did an episode about the gig economy. So that was a perfect a perfect segue to that. So let's switch gears. So we, we talked about filing taxes. Now let's talk about what happens after you file. So... Andrew, this question is for you. We're going to talk about refunds or penalties. What are those? Okay, so if you electronically file your tax return, e-file it, and you're owed a tax refund that's legitimate, you'll typically get it within 21 days of the IRS receiving your return and processing it. I personally have seen tax return refunds be delivered by the IRS inside 10 days. So with that in mind, I do recommend that people avoid refund anticipation loans, what we call RALS, R-A-L-S. 
because of the short turnaround time with the, associated with the federal government's legitimate refund processing and also the high interest rates and uh, high fees that are charged by those offering rounds. If you choose to paper file your return, well, it's a different story. You got a lot to contend with and you're going to wait a while too because it can take longer for the IRS to process it and you're got a higher probability that errors are going to be made while they do the data entry and they might even lose part of a tax return. Hmm. I feel like the IRS needs like a free two-day shipping option because <laughs> 10 days is good. 21 days is outrageous, but two-day shipping, we should have that for our refunds. No, like I had a paper file last year for 2022 oh, and no. it took 10 months for me to get my return. That's not And okay. that was a return. I did, wasn't waiting for a check. I was waiting for them to auto-draft it into my account. So I can't imagine if then you were waiting for a check. Like it's crazy. So. That would never happen with two-day shipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't you know get how to you talk, guys feel about that. You get to talk about the scary stuff, Randy. Scary stuff. I don't like it. Oh, penalties. I really don't like penalties. No, even worse than penalties. I don't even like the word penalty. What's worse than penalties? Audits. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't even want to go near audits because that this is why I'm slightly terrified of taxes. Because <laughs> if the government comes poking around and asking for receipts, I don't keep receipts. <laughs> I don't have like a box in my, in my bedroom with either. all my stuff. But that being said, getting audited, Ricky, what does that mean? And, and how do I do my best to avoid the whole auditing process? Well, there's nothing you could just avoid it altogether, right? Because sometimes audits are simply random, right? But you could start by declaring all those 1099s and all the income you made, because like I said, on, on the other side of it, it will be recorded by the entity that's paying you, right? So audits can happen a few different ways. It could be in person, which is our, obviously the you know, scariest, but with the IRS and the limited resources they have, usually they'll simply send you a letter asking for support behind certain transactions, right? Because people either knowingly or unknowingly may take a, a deduction or two or, or fail to report income that they thought that was probably tax-free or already had withholdings behind it, right? So these things do happen and the IRS has created a process, you know, essentially to to make sure that everything is is in line, right? And, you know, you, you, there's no issue if if you went ahead and you filed properly, right? Again, why you should probably use an assisted some assistance, you know, with a professional if you think that your tax situation is slightly more complex. Interesting. I feel like this was part of the plot of everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Have you guys seen this film? Because. A lot of it is is having to do with their small business being audited. Well, no spoiler alerts. Oh, sorry. Producer Nicole is going crazy. I think you two are the only ones in the in the room who have actually Ricky's seen, seen this. I mean, he saw Inception, so this is a good movie. Everyone should go watch it. All right. It's about I getting audited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I definitely feel more confident about filing my taxes this year, which this year I plan on not waiting till the last minute. I know. I waited yeah, until that. like the. I Go know. Go file them now. I don't have all my documentation oh. yet. I know, but okay. So I'm not going to do that this year. That is a goal of mine. But now it's time for our rapid fire round of questions, which are called the Making It Count Essentials. So, gentlemen, are you ready to give us some rapid fire answers? Pew pew. Yes. The enthusiasm is through the roof. All right, Randy, you get to go first. Yes, okay, let's go get it. Andrew, so how much does using a tax professional usually cost? It's based upon where you live, your financial situation, and the tax professional or the accountant that's involved. 
According to the National Society of Accountants, their 2020 and 2021 survey, a simple return starts at $220. And then for the more complex ones, I know they can exceed over $1,100 according to their data set. So it can get pretty expensive pretty quick. Some firms charge on a perform basis, some charge a flat rate, some charge an hourly fee. The national average hourly fee is $180 according to that same organization. As far as the way I do things, I like to quote my prices up front. I like people to know what they're getting into. I don't want them to be surprised later when the tax work's done and they get the invoice because they're going to know ahead of time. They're going to have to prove it before I go forward. I also like to use an easy to understand or easy to follow flat rate structure for the work that I do because I don't want to have to track my time and I don't want to surprise my clients. I try to avoid billing on an hourly basis. Ever I can because I don't want them to be fixated on uh, the time that I spend or the fact that they asked a question. I might bill them for it later. I don't want them to have to worry about that. Well, that's really nice of you. I, I, I appreciate that you put all the prices right there up front. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. All right, Ricky, it's your turn. What are the most popular tax software options and which ones would you recommend or which ones should our listeners look for when they're getting ready to do their taxes? Sure. So as we mentioned earlier, you're either going to be doing your taxes yourself, right? Like a, with a do-it-yourself app. The most popular ones are obviously TurboTax and H&R Block. And then if you need assisted filing, you could do a lot of those online now too, even offered through the same companies like TurboTax and H&R. I personally like, obviously, the best one that's out there. It's TaxFile, which is of my course. company. Which is like uh, Uber for the uh, fire tax. <laughs> I'm calling it so, ten dollars right now. Nowadays, all these companies have have apps, right? So you, while you're listening to this, if you have your phone handy, you could you could download any of these apps and, and get started. Now, a lot of people do the do it yourself ones through the phone, just simply because since you're preparing it yourself, there's a little bit more that that kind of goes into it. So usually, you know, you want to wait till you get home. But if it's as simple as Getting a CPA or IRS enrolled agent, you know, on tax file to file your taxes for you, you could just dial it on your app and have them do it for you and not worry about it. So, Andrew, what is your favorite part about working as a CPA? Building the relationships with my clients. I help my clients uh, with their income tax returns, but I don't just stop there and just that one transaction. In fact, I don't even want a transactional client. I answer my clients' questions all year long. I don't normally charge them for answer, you know, the fact they asked a question or I answered the question. I've even gone as far as to help them with their W-2s or other employment-related documents and even recover unclaimed funds for free. Wow, I love that. Especially the, I mean, when you're trying to build a relationship with a person, I bet over time they become a lot more comfortable. And then as they progress in their careers, you get to kind of watch them grow while you're helping them do that. That's really nice. Yeah. All right, Ricky, you get the last question. I know you've already kind of touched on it, but what inspired you to start TaxFile? Well, as a PwC, I, I was like, well, the tax filing process is you know, kind of overly complicated. And even me as a CPA, I didn't want to really spend too much time filing it. <laughs> right? It's not something that I enjoyed. And, and, and if I'm in the industry as a licensed professional, kind of with these reservations, I'm sure that there's hundreds of millions of Americans out there <laughs> with the same. So... At the time, Uber was was kind of getting popular in Florida, uh, based out of Miami, and and thought that you know you could deliver the service, you know, this tax service in a more efficient manner via an app, right? So, I left PwC to start TaxFile and haven't looked back since. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you both so much for sharing so much of that valuable information with us. I know I learned a lot. Oh, I learned a ton. And this is perfect timing because we're going to start filing our taxes very soon. You can say that again. I'm already (laughs) taking notes. I'm already trying to dive deep into Emily's financials. Might as well figure out if she has any tax problems. Yes, that would be good. Hopefully not. Gentlemen, we would love to have you back as guests in the future. But in the meantime, let's let our listeners know where they can find you. Andrew, where can they find you? I have a website. It's andrewgriffith.cpa. Anybody who wants to interact with me, there's a free consultation appointment scheduling system there that they can tap in and I won't charge them for the time I spend interacting with them. I'm also on LinkedIn. Just look for the firm Andrew Griffith CPA. Or they can call me if they really want to do that, 845-618-5390. Very nice. Thank you, Andrew. And what about you, Ricky? Yeah, simply go to taxfile.com. That's file with a Y. So T-A-X-F-Y le.com or you could go to the app store or google play store and download tax file and get started there great thank you both so much for joining us we both learned so much and thanks for taking the time out to demystify taxes that's for sure i could use all the help i can get (laughs) (laughs) so christina i think it's time for our favorite segment what, what did, did we, we learn, learn today? today? Okay, since I let you go first all episode long, Ugh, I am going to go first. I learned a ton, especially I thought it was really interesting that there was free tax help for those that made under a certain amount of money. I didn't know that. Like when I first started out out of college, I definitely was making way less than $60,000 a year. I would have loved to have known that I could have gone to a tax professional for free to help me navigate taxes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the most interesting part for me was that there's a possibility that Emily, <laughs> Emily's taxes are messed up. I don't think so. You know, I, I, I trust I, her. Did and you, did, okay. When you were dating, did yes. you get her credit score? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I feel it, like that's a good indication good. if she's, you know, up if on she her. owes the government a bunch of money. Yeah, I, I mean. hope she doesn't. <laughs> let's hope. Let's fingers crossed. We'll see next episode. I'm sure you guys will be fine. Yeah. Now it's time for the season's second resource to help listeners make it count. Randy, please do the honors. Oh, I am honored. So today's resource is a previous Making It Count episode from our Money Taboo series, Spotting Predatory Lending. Avoiding being audited is important, but it's equally important to know how you can protect yourself from predatory lending schemes by knowing the signs and red flags to look out for. Ooh, that is a really good one. Yes. So be sure to check out in our show notes for the link to that particular resource, courtesy of our producers, Lauren and Nicole. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. We'll see you next time on Making Making It It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find our show notes in this episode's description. Be sure to subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes. And don't forget to rate or review us on your favorite podcast app. And do you have your own burning financial questions? Send them our way at podcast at editionfi.com and we'll feature them on a show. Miss us already? Don't worry. We'll be back soon with another episode of Making Making It Count. Count.